Hello and welcome back to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu, the podcast. My name is Dr. Lulu, aka the momatrician. I'm a board certified pediatrician and I am a mom. And that gives me the audacity to bring another fantastic brown sugar baby. You know how I feel about my brown girls because they rock. They are also unicorns because we can't find enough of us that want to talk about trauma and just release and let go and just kind of let God. So today I have another beautiful guest. Her name is Chantelle Bracha Coleman. She's a licensed practical clinical worker. I, I know licensed I licensed professional counselor. Licensed <laughs> professional counselor. I think it was LPC. I, I it was LPC. I was trying to say what was it? Okay, fantastic. So she is here to share with us something about something that has to do with releasing that energy that leads us down that negative path towards suicide. So y'all, if you're ready, I'm ready. So Chantel, welcome and thank you so much for writing on our pages from beautiful Naples, Florida on vacation. What? Yes, yes, like, yes. What? It's <laughs> it a doesn't happen pandemic. much. How dare you, sister? How dare you have fun while the rest of us are indoors? What's going on? I, listen, you, you have to have fun. As a therapist, you got to take a break. <laughs> I love it. You got to know when to say no and take a time out. Absolutely. Right, right, Absolutely. exactly. So where do you want to start, sister, girlfriend? Where do you want to start talking? And what do you want? Um, like is yours. Okay. So um, I am currently a, a licensed professional counselor. I have been in this field over 15 years. Um, and um, I have my own private practice. It's a family-run, Black-owned private practice in Delaware. So we're located in Delaware, uh, near the University of Delaware. And um, oddly enough, I got into this field because of a suicide attempt. So I was originally in nursing. And um, I think, you know, back when I was, uh, I'm, I'm closer to 40, but back when I was in school, it was like, if you're smart, it's like, oh, you could be a nurse, a doctor, a lawyer. It was like, a, a, like maybe five different options, I guess, at that time. And so for me, I thought nursing would be the easiest. And uh, three years into nursing school, realized that that wasn't the truth. So as a junior um, at University of Delaware, um, and I was also a new mother, I had my son at the age of 20, um, realized that I was overwhelmed by school, life, um, being a new mother, trying to you know navigate everything, trying to figure things out at such a young age. And um, there were so many other things. I think it was like that, that um, Murphy's Law for like, I don't know, a good six month stretch. It was like every and anything that could go wrong was going wrong. And finally got to a point where I was like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. I was like, I don't, I don't, this mothering thing is a little bit much. This school thing, I'm, I'm not really mastering it like I, like I have in the past. I'm like, you know, this being on my own thing is not as fun as I thought it was going to be. And um, being loyal to my friends is not really working out the way that I thought that was going to work out. And so, you know, in a moment of, I don't know, I guess I was just desperate, you know, took a bottle of pills and, you know, quickly realized within like five, 10 minutes that um, that wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. So, you know, I, we called the ambulance and went to the hospital, did the whole charcoal thing and ended up being um, inpatient, hospitalized. I think, I think it was maybe maybe a week or so that we were in there. And um, 
it was crazy because around that time in Delaware, Delaware is really known for banks. And around that time, uh, one of the largest banks in Delaware, MBNA, had laid off, uh, I mean, hundreds of people. So a lot of their, you know, top people were laid off. And so when I when I went to the hospital, I was in there with all, like I'm young, I'm 20 years old, but I'm in there with all these executives. And so um, we started doing groups and that kind of thing. And somehow that was like fun for me. I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a kid in here with all these adults. I was leading the groups. And then what came from that is while I was in my therapy sessions, the therapist said, well, I just think you're in the wrong field. And I'm like, you can't tell me that this whole breakdown <laughs> was because I'm in the wrong field. It, it can't be that simple, right? I'm like, there's no way. I love it. And so and you had so, a breakthrough. So you had a breakdown and then you had a breakthrough. In there. When a breakdown leads to a breakthrough, ain't that powerful? Mm-hmm. But you know what? I, I, didn't, I didn't want to interrupt you, but you know what? Before you go too far, you've said two things today, which is one of the things that I see a lot of time. When, when people hear about suicide attempt, the first thing that they go for is the obvious yeah. fruit, which is depression. Right. Because, you know, we're thinking medication, but you went there. You went where I go. I, in my second book, I call it overwhelmness. It's not even a word. Yes. But overwhelmness yes. in the sense that, honestly, most people who, it's a suicide paradox is someone who is other, otherwise sane and fine. But guess what? There's a huge pile of crap that you're dealing with, and all of a sudden, you want out. And right. more importantly, you mentioned something critical in 2008 when we had the dot com burst, when we had the Enron scandal. They mm-hmm. had a high rates of suicides right. in people who were involved in financial loss. And people forget all the time no amount of antidepressant will fix that. Right. Or That's education or exactly. money or, right, right. Asking exactly. the question, what happened is what will fix that because then you can go back and tease out the details. Aha, this is when, this is exactly the point when we became hopeless and trapped and purposeless and overwhelmed and then we want it out. Thank you so much for going there, girl. I appreciate it so much. Carry sure, on, I sure. love it. Yeah, so, so, and that was the thing. So, and, and at that point I had, you know, we weren't really, I wasn't really familiar with therapy and that whole process. Um, never had any major issues growing up that, that I was dealing with, um, no extreme anxiety. Uh, I usually performed well under pressure. So this was like my first experience with therapy. Um, I don't even remember friends talking about going to therapists back then. Um, so when I um, went into therapy, I mean, it just, it just opened my eyes to a lot of things that I just wasn't aware of about myself. And so that was my you know, first experience with therapy and once and I left worked. the program, and it and worked. worked, left the program. And that's one of the things I love because yeah. black folk, you know, you're black. So you know how we right. feel about therapy. You may, I'm not surprised for hearing you say you didn't know anything about therapy. You don't have any friends who, we generally in the black community, we're still very, uh, therapy, don't you mean Jesus? Yes. Right. I mean Let's Jesus pray through it. Therapy. Uh-huh. I mean, Jesus and therapy, like you can literally have both of them, but it's amazing how, who you became. And I know we're fast forwarding a lot to today, but look at what, (laughs) when the seeds were planted Mm -hmm. and how you found your calling that you can actually talk and lead and coach and do whatever, and then help people, you know, make that, you know, make that transformation from, from from pain to freedom, mm-hmm. so to say. Wow, right. 
And I know, like I said, I know that's a huge, you know, rapid fast forward, but do you want to walk us through the, like how, how did it actually happen? Because I know people want to know that therapy is good. It is. And, and the thing the is, and, you know, I think people think therapy sometimes has to be long-term. And when I, you know, that was the first and last time that I was in therapy. So I, you know, I was there, I think we, we did maybe four or five sessions after, um, after leaving the program. But it, I mean, once I followed her advice and switched my major, I was able to, you know, graduate with my bachelor's, um, had another child, went on to get my master's, but the coursework was so interesting to me that I never had that issue moving forward. I never had to worry about getting a C moving forward because it was finally the field that I was meant to be in, you know, wow. and not, you know, I just knew I wanted to help people. So, you know, I'm thinking, oh, nurses get to help people. But once I did that internship as a nurse, I'm like, I don't, I don't like the way these nurses are 30 years down the line. Like, you know, they, they're just not happy at what they're doing and that's not who I want to be. You can say that again for those at the back. There are no studies that have shown the, the numbers yet, but we know nurses are very close to doctors on the suicide ladder. Doctors are the yeah. highest, high, we have the highest rate of suicide, but nurses wow. are very, very close. Yes, okay. a close second or third. We don't know because there are no studies, but we know that nurses just like doctors have a very stressful job and have access right. to, yes, so... That's amazing. That's amazing. So, wow. I want to go back a little bit into your childhood Ooh. though. Did you have any family history of suicide or family history? Nothing. Or no, no. And that's the thing. Like I said, growing up, you know, like I had two loving parents, like we have a very close knit family, just no, no issue. I mean, nothing. There was, there was nothing really leading to this point other than, like I said, like a six months period of just just things just happening. It was sustained and, stress. Yes, it was sustained. And that's like me. I was, I'm like you. My, uh, my story, I, I don't think I've met anyone like you before. I do have okay. a history of trauma when I was a child. I'm not going to lie. Okay. But I had two parents. It was a loving enough home. Mm -hmm. I'm not going mm -hmm. to lie because I had nothing to, I didn't want, I wanted for not, you know, I was, I right. was happy growing up I wanted to be a, an architect I went to med school but but my traumas have nothing to do with that medical school was was a breeze as far as I'm concerned it was it was fun I loved it but you know when I got married then I had 13 years of sustained domestic put down if, if I don't know how else to put it okay and it was sustained and it builds and up mm -hmm. tossing I was a doctor tossing I had my own practice tossing I had long hours tossing I had children and preemie and breastfeeding tossing in a strange world in a strange land called America tossing right. all of that and then it was like it uh, comes to a head Okay. It's like, wait a minute. What, yes. like, what, what is this, what is this world I've created for myself? Is yes. this, is this what I really want, you know? And, and yeah, that's how it was because like I said, I mean, college, the college experience for me was just not a very good one. The university of Delaware is not very supportive of us. Um, and that really hasn't changed much over time, but, um, I noticed that there, I was like, you know, I would, I would be in classes with, uh, I, I, there was like a young white girl and she had all the support in the world coming in with a child. But when I had my, ch you know, when I, when I was pregnant, I'm like, oh, I want to keep going. Um, as soon as I have them, I want to come right back to school. They're like, no, you can't do that. You need to take time off. Um, 
you know, all of that. But I was like, no, I, you know, I can do this. And it, and it was like, they held me back. And that yes. was frustrating. So there were internal as well yeah. as external pressures. Exactly. You mentioned that earlier. That's important right. that, you know, right. you were already doubting yourself, feeling overwhelmed, or maybe not doubting yourself, maybe feeling empowered. And someone's like, no, 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 you're not empowered. Right. No, 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 you need to stay. Right, <laughs> yes. right. And, and then oh even worse, I, and so, so, you know, once I started realizing, okay, I'm not getting the support from them. So then I was going to transfer. So I was like, you know what? I'll transfer to a HBCU, right? And so I'm, I'm transferring to a HBCU. Um, I'm transferring to a HBCU. And so I was in, they accepted me. I think I had about, I want to say I had a good 80 credits. Like I said, I was a junior. And so they said, oh, okay, you know, we're going to transfer 72. I said, okay, that's not bad. And so I was all ready to go to this HBCU um, that, that's in Delaware. And then I, I think it was a week or two before classes. Um, I'm, you know, I'm going to travel 40 minutes to go to the school, finish my nursing. That was the idea back then. And then come to find out, they're like, oh, no, we're transferring 72, but you'll be a, a second semester freshman. I'm like, wait a minute. You told me you were going to transfer my credits. And they're like, oh, no, you know, once you, when you, you know, when you get to the end, we'll add those credits back on. But you have to basically redo the nursing program. So I'm like, no, no wait a minute. Yeah, I'm, I'm I could. Oh my God, no! I'm like, oh this is God. crazy. So that, so yeah. then I went back and changed my major at University of Delaware, and I stayed and ended up getting my degree in health studies. Um, and and then you know by that time I was working in the field, doing my intern in the, the internship in the field, and realized that was the direction to take. But that was the thing. It was like even when I thought I had a plan to get out of whatever mess, you know, I felt like I was in. It was someone else telling me, no, you can't do that. That's not going to work. And, and I believe there's a name for that. That's, that's called racism. I mean, let's just come out and say it. Or at least uh, some of prejudice, especially when it's differential treatment. You see, that's what I say. We're not asking for anything more than just be treated equally. That's all. Right. I mean, right. that on its own is pressure. And that's one of the reasons why most people don't know this, but African-American youth age 5 through 12 are twice as likely as their white counterparts to die by suicide. Mm -hmm. Most people don't know that particular statistic. It's all because of this. If a, if a little African-American seven-year-old boy misbehaves, he is expelled. Or he's labeled. He's, he's, or, he's right. On his, on, his, on his record. Or, heaven forbid, the popo comes and body slams a six-year-old and arrests the child. You right. know, while a six-year-old little Mindy or go to the office and go see the counselor and we'll call your mom to come get you. Right. And, and then they suggest therapy, right? They're, they're like, oh, this person needs therapy. But, but for our kids <laughs> or for us. Was, it's, yeah, it's we, like, we, we, I mean, yeah. it might end up in therapy, but not before they've disgraced you and made you mm -hmm. feel and made your parents come to the school and made right. you such a grim picture of your future mm -hmm. and in front of you. And then you're like, well, you know what? Forget it then. You know, I mean, I'm right. Well. Why am I trying Yes. Exactly. Exactly. I know. And it, it's really sad. It's, it's really sad because, you know, it, it's like we have this energy inside of us that that's telling us you're great. You're wonderful. You can do anything. And then the world that we live in is telling us the complete opposite. Right. It's yes. like, it's and then like it's consistently it's right. consistent. We just had a vice presidential candidate say there's no systemic racism two days ago. I mean, like, are you, are you joking? Like for real? Like, is right. This, wait, well, like, in their world, real? you know, in, in their world, they don't, they don't feel what we feel. And, and it's funny because with my kids, um, I have kids that are, that are in college now. 
And, you know, when I talk to them, I'm like, don't be so comfortable to think that you matter because to them, you don't. So you need to constantly make sure that you're paying attention, constantly, you know, kind of check in and make sure that things are okay. Because I have a son now that went to University of Delaware. And I, I mean, I tried to talk him out of it. I was like, you don't want to go there. I was like, I was like don't you want to go to an HBCU? Like, you don't want to, you don't want to go there. And he's like, you know, him and his friends, I think there's like 20 of them um, that, that all went to school together. And I think out of the 20, there might be five of them that are black. And they're like, you know, well, we have each other. It's a different time. I'm like, it's a different time, but it's the same scenario. Yeah, same, same, same script, different act or whatever the right. song. I mean, it's like right. it hasn't changed much. If anything, <laughs> I almost want to say we've regressed a little bit more because I now, so. well, now they everyone don't is emboldened. Go ahead. Right, right. You know, no one's trying to hide it now because they don't have to. They're kind of, it's, it's like, you know, they have this, this permission to just be exactly who they are. They don't try to sugarcoat it. And, you know, we're expected to just kind of stand down and just be quiet. And not be who we are. And it, we try exactly. to be who we are. We're angry, angry black, one thing or the other. I mean, just- oh, just, Especially women. <laughs> just labels at us, yes. I'm uh -huh. just so proud of you to have made that switch. And it was a little thing. It's still in the health field. You're still able to help people. Right. But now right. you're in your full- Perfect. Well, now I get to work for myself, right? So now I'm not, you know, I'm not in a field where, I mean, nurses will all, they also have their own business and things like that. But, you know, switching into this field has allowed me to be my own boss. And I think, you know, whatever I went through up until this point, this freedom of being my own boss, I, it, it was all worth it. I wouldn't change any, any part of the journey because, you know, if I, if I wake up, well, I can't just, I can't just not go to work because I have clients, but, but, you know, if I don't want to work Mondays, I don't have to, if I don't, you know, I get to kind of decide what direction my business goes and who I, and who I want to service, right? Amen. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm here for everyone, but at the same time, um, I'm building a practice that is going to make sure that we're available for the black community because we need help. Um, so I'm just so thankful to, to have spoken to you today because this, these are things that no, need to be spoken out. We need to, I mean, not that we don't have enough. I mean, you know, you want to you take your oath. You, you know, you don't want to discriminate. That is true. Right. But right. you and I know that people of color are consistently not getting the care that we need. So right. it's, it's not quality. So, it, you know, yes. it's available, but it's not necessarily quality. And, it, and it's not necessarily, it might not be a good fit for what they need. Exactly. You know, they, they give you what they think you need. And it's like, no, my, my circumstances are different than yours. My background is different than yours. My, my struggle is different than yours. And because you can't relate to it, you can't treat me because you have no idea what, you know, when I, when I come to you and tell you, you know, I was scared to death because I got pulled over yesterday. You don't know that, that fear. So in other words, your empathy is not, is not engaged and you cannot give compassion if you don't have empathy. So that right. whole therapy session is going to be like, yeah, they just said they got pulled over. I can't believe that that scared them. Next, right. no, that's right. real for me. It's like literally life and death for me to it get is. pulled over a la Sandra Bland. So this is not a joke, but you're right. right. We need people that our narratives, first of all, align with our narrative and our, and our narrative matters to them when it's time, when it comes to delivery. And, you know, right. of course, you're never going to say no to a white kid who comes to see you, but we have enough of those people who have no problem, you know, giving them care. But just right. what happened to you in school, just just that little bit. I, I, you know, I've just graduated and had my executive MBA. 
in May of last year. And the entire time I told my wife, I said the entire time I felt discriminated against in the class. I was okay. one of two black people. The other person happened to be Nigerian also. And both okay. of us, we just, we just, I could feel it. I mean, I know some of my classmates would speak to me. I could tell some of them tried even to become friends with me. But it seems forced, right? It seems but like it's like, oh, it, we should, it's the right thing to do. So we should do that. And, and my thing is not that there's not some genuine, when I tell you my, my two mentors, um, I have two mentors, they're, they're both, well, one is a white woman, older white woman in her seventies. And the other, she, I believe that her background is, uh, she, she's from Lebanon. So I'm not really sure what, what category that puts her in, you know, but they have been my mentors this whole time that I've been um, doing this whole counseling journey and they were my professors. And now they're my friends, you know, um, 10, 15 later, you know, they're, they're my friends, but I've had to have a lot of conversations with them over the years. Like I would, I would get, like I would get let go from jobs and things like that. And I, and then I would come back and they would, you know, I would tell them like, oh, well, you know, they thought I was intimidating or I was, you know, aggressive. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, well, how do I change that? And they're like, no, you don't change that. You change the job. And I'm like, but it happened twice. And they're like, it's not you, you need to, you know, it, your environment that you're in is not meant for you to be in. And so to have them kind of confirm that for me was helpful because I'm like, I just don't understand it. And always when I worked for white women, it was always an issue. And I'm glad that I had them to help me understand that it's because you start to internalize that and think like, it has to be me. There's no way that this pattern keeps happening if I'm not doing something wrong. And they would quickly be like, no, you know, and, and it finally got to the point where they're like, you're not meant to work for anyone. Exactly. I was waiting for you to say that. That, that was that. They, that was they the were like, you, right there. You, they were like, this is bigger than you. This is yes. like, I, I was a director, clinical director. I did that for about, um, probably about 10 years of my career where I had other therapists under me. The last job I had about 30 therapists under me, including my mentors. So I was my mentor. I was their boss. And, and they were like, this, this is not going to last long for you. Like you need, you need to get your own. And when you get your own, we'll come work for you. You'll be in that space. Amen. Right. So empowering. And I say that a lot on this podcast, people do not quit their jobs. They quit the environment because right. you that can get the same, you're going to be doing the same job. If you quit your job, you will not be doing the same job, but it's right. environment is toxicity that people quit their bosses. Really? That's the, that's the, it is. It's the bosses it. because their own insecurities and, yeah. and whatever. It's like, when, once you show them how great you are, it's like, Oh, that's great for as long as we need you. And then once we meet our quota, and you can't explain to me how you got to that point, then it's like, well, maybe we should replace you with someone else that that's a, a little less vocal, someone else that, you know, doesn't cha challenge the status quo, someone that just yes. kind of goes along with whatever. And my thing is I have a license. And because I have a license, I'm not gonna allow anybody else to make me lose my license or anyone that works for me. We work too hard to get here. We pay all this money we pay for, for student loans and our time and our tears and, you know, for me to come in and let you make me lose it. No, that's not, that's not what I love happened. it. I love it. I feel like, you know, my story because it was kind of similar. I, I had a seven-year-old boy attempt suicide. And then I was like, I'm, 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 I'm going to have to figure out what's going on. I had already had a 15-year-old kill himself and I had a 34-year-old friend of mine kill herself. 
Okay. And after the seven-year-old boy, I got home that day. I was just buzzed. And my son was like, mom, you look like you saw a ghost. I said, yes, I feel like I saw a ghost. I saw a seven-year-old boy who tried to hang himself. Like, right. what, what is that? How do you get to so, that point? So then I asked, then I asked the people that I work with, I said, I, I would like to take a day off because my son was like, well, mom, you know, you can come to my school and speak to the kids. I was like, bingo. I right. said, can I have one day off so I can go to the schools and speak to kids, you know, once a week. And after three weeks of deliberation, three weeks, they said, oh, no, we need you to work full time. We cannot give you. It was like, a, no, you no, you don't. Actually, I have a license. It's like you and I was like, our deuces. Okay, at this point, we have to right. just, you know, make it happen. I'm going to go see about this thing that's bigger than me that I'm being called to do. Right. And that's the call to do, right? Go, yeah. Uh-huh. My uh-huh. podcast got born. My three books got born. And right. TEDx talk and all this things, but if I hadn't stopped to say, wait, this 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 thing is happening too many times around me. Maybe I should go see about it. You right. Know? And try and try to understand it, right? Because that's the thing. We don't if you if it's never happened to you and you've never been to that point, you're like, why why would someone choose that? Why, why how do people get to that point? They're weak or or they and, and you're like, no, it, it's it's the complete opposite. It's like me trying to have strength through whatever I'm going through, eventually you get to a breaking point. And it's like, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm just tired. I'm, you know, I'm tired. I can't figure this thing out. And so, you know, and, and that's why this, this year I've been doing a lot of, um, I've been asked to do a lot of uh, talks at churches. So I've been, you know, been brought into quite a few churches and January of this year was the, was the very first time that in public I ever told the story. And, and it wasn't even part of, I had a whole script written out and I, I don't even know, I just feel like maybe somebody in the room needed to hear it because I just got diverted to a whole different conversation, but that seemed to be the conversation that was needed in that room. And so, you know, so um, from that, I ended up uh, doing a podcast. Um, I have a podcast that is on hold now because I'm back in school. Uh, like I can't get enough of school, <laughs> schooling. Um, so I'm back oh, in school. Paths are so parallel, but I'll tell you about that. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so I, so I did start the podcast because I was a guest on someone's show and we, you know, when we had this conversation and the owner of um, the radio station was like, you know, we need to have a therapist that is really willing to open up and talk. You know, they had a therapist, but for him, that therapist didn't really, want to dig deep or get personal. And I'm like, I, if I don't tell my story, then, then what am I doing? I'm telling people to come in, come to therapy, open up to me and tell me your whole life story, but I'm not going to open up either. Like that's, that's not going to work. And that's so not started, authentic. That is not authentic not. and that's not going to last. And, and I have to commend you for your, what I call a VFAB. VFAB is vulnerability, fearlessness, authenticity, and boldness. That's it right. takes that four things to, to tell you. And, and stay and stand in your truth, your history. Nobody can take right. it from you. It's yours. It's, it's how, how you became, you know, that book becoming. I love it. When I turned right. 50, I had 50 words that begin with the letter F to just, uh, just talk about how fearless, fabulous, whatever, becoming those things. Now at 50, I'm coming into, that was two years ago. Oh my God, I can't believe it. I'm coming into <laughs> my essence, you know. It goes quick. <laughs> and, and I dare to say, uh, my, my, one of my teachers, I'm claiming him as my teacher, Jay Shetty, he says, you need a combination of, of your strength, your passion and mm. compassion, three right. of them to live in your purpose. 
Compassion will make you want to help because it's all about service. Right. Strength for those rocky days because they're coming. And of course, the passion to do what it is that you're doing. So, I mean, that's right. what you, you're, you're exemplary, exemplifying that right now um, in your life. With your life. So, yes. So I'm so happy that we got to connect. I know, you know, yes, yes. I'm glad I'm not sure if we're going to do the podcast at all today. So congratulations on all your successes. And then. No, thank you. This is is a wonderful platform that like the the fact nobody wants to talk about suicide. Nobody wants to talk about suicide. And the thing is, because I think everybody is so fearful of I don't want to say the wrong thing or I don't want to put ideas in people's head. And it's like because nobody wants to talk about it. There's people sitting home that like, I, I just have questions. I just want to know, why do I have thoughts? I don't have a plan, but why do I feel like when everything goes wrong, I could just drive my car off a bridge or I can and run it's funny car says that Driving the car off the bridge was what I was going to do. When I was suicidal, my plan was to drive off my car off the bridge. And, and my second book I talk about, it's called A Teen's Life. It's talk, I talk about how, I talk about, I think, it's, I started with 25 myths about suicide and I ended up with like 35. And one really? of the myths is like, oh, just because you're suicidal means you, you must kill yourself once. And it's now another myth is just because you've been suicidal means you will always be suicidal. Another myth, you know, just because you've been suicidal, you cannot stop being suicidal. Another myth. Right. So all myths and it's only how do you burst the myth? Talk about it. You have to talk about it. To take the right. power away. Well, that, well, that's the reason why therapy has, hasn't, you know, hasn't been as popular until now, you know, over the years, because when you say talk about it, we've always kind of been taught, you don't talk about it. You know, you don't even talk about, you know, how you got disciplined in your house, let alone you want me to talk about the fact that I'm thinking about killing myself. Like, no, we, we don't talk about that. That's not, that's not a topic nobody, anybody wants to have. Discipline. <laughs> African-Americans discipline. I'm teaching a course this this Friday. It's called Parenting Without Yelling. And there's a group of, I'm in a group with doctors. And every time I post something about in that doctor, in that particular group with doctors, every time I hear all kinds of, you can just tell that they're being defensive. Right, Wait, right. Oh, don't tell me to spare the rod. Don't tell me. I said, no, I'm not saying you should do any of that. My message is not for everybody, but I want you to consider how you would Other options as a child. Uh, first, first of all, as a child who's been yelled at for being a child, but also, have you tried anything else? Are you sure right. that that's the only, do you know the consequences of yelling? And I only know that because, I, again, I quit my job as a pediatrician, cold turkey, and I found out that one of my patients, she attempted suicide twice because her mom yells at her every time she comes home from when she gets back from work to when she goes to bed. But okay. the mother talked to her, she talked to, to me, she said, look, I don't know what's wrong with her. She's so ungrateful. I work three jobs to put food on the table. And da, 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 da. And the girl's like, wait, I miss my mom. You know, all she does when right. she comes back from her three jobs is yell at me. So, right. you know. And because she, you know, because the, the reality is, you know, as the adults, we're tired, we're, we're frustrated. We're this, that, you know, this, that, whatever. Then you come home and you deal with your mate, you deal with the kids, you deal with the animals, you deal, you deal with all these different things. And it's like, you know, sometimes it, it's, it's overwhelming. It's, it's overwhelming, overwhelming, but black people specifically, like people of color, yeah, but black people specifically, we need to break the code of silence and start talking already because right. generational curses don't exist unless we allow them to. You know, right. you don't get to create, how did I put the quote yesterday? You don't get to create the family you're born in, but you get to create the family that you, pro- that you, that you produce. Or something. That's true. Person. That is but, true. Because that's the family that you can, and I don't ever want to use the word control, but that's one that you have. You can well, you get, you get to, you get to how you them, want it right? to you get, be. Right. You get to groom them into, you know, 
the adults that they're going to become. You know, and, and, and I say that all the time because my brother, I, we were, I'm Nigerian. We were raised by yelling parents, yelling aunties, yelling neighborhood, yelling everybody. Country. <laughs> but my brother, my immediate younger brother, I've never in my lifetime ever observed him yell at his kids who are both, well, three of them are all well-rounded, the two are adults, okay. well-rounded adults. And the baby girl is a gymnast and extraordinary and all this. So she's doing all this without right. any yelling. Well, well I, I, so I definitely need to, that that's a class that I probably should take. <laughs> you need to, girl, and it's free, whenever you come back from your high, when your high comes down yes. from being in Naples, you know, you should join us. It's going to be this Friday, the 16th. I was going to put a plug on it. Actually, where are yes, you? Well, you do. should put a plug for your business, but I'm going to put a plug for my class. My class is yeah. called Parenting Without Yelling. And yes, indeed, I talk about the fact that there are other ways because I used to be the mother who yelled all the time until... Okay. One of my children said to me, said, mom, you know, we love the fact that you did everything you could have done after the divorce, but we were disappointed because we thought you were not going to, you were going to be different from dad. And all I wow. did, yell at them right. for being this. Well, that's emotion, right? Like, I mean, it's, it's funny because we yell, like we're passionate, but for some reason, you know, us being passionate comes out however it comes out. And it's, it's really the weight of everything, right? It's like the child is the one in front of you, but it's the weight of everything that's going on behind you that kind of comes forth when, when, you know, when a child upsets you. Yes. And, and but, but, it, it, but also you know, is it the child, I think the, the, the critical question is, is it the child that upsets you? Just based on what you said to us earlier on, the fact that there were internal and external factors. Mm -hmm. If you had a baby at that point, would you yell at the baby for the exact same situation that's going on? No. Right. So when that baby becomes a four-year-old and breaks the mirror because he or she was never taught that the mirror is not a plaything, you right. pounce on the baby because you can. But let's take that baby out of the equation and the situation is still there. What would you do? You would not pounce on them. So right. that's one of the things I teach. But I mean, I, we're not talking about that. But that's one of the things that I teach as to... Just what is your role in creating the scenario that has just been presented to you? Your right. role, because you can only change yourself. You can't change the child. Right. And just like that, we are almost at 50 minutes. I bet you didn't believe okay. that, you know? No, it goes so quick. we're going to take the last few minutes. <laughs> yeah, we're going to take the last few minutes for, your, for you to tell us three things. What's your favorite sure. podcast? Wink, wink. <laughs> well, and then definitely your, this one and, and yeah. my own. You know, I gotta, I gotta put ours in there too. But yeah, this, this is I this know. is definitely helpful. I, any any podcast that just helps the community, um, just come come to some decisions about some some areas they have to work on and, and what they need help with. Um, I, I think it's great. I just think it's great that that social media can be used for positive. <laughs> Let's say that. <laughs> yeah, say because... that again for those at the back. Absolutely. So, yeah. favorite podcast. That was that was actually not one of my questions. I just tossed that in just to kind of uh -oh, just, uh -oh. <laughs> to spite you because you're in Florida having fun. Right. Right. <laughs> oh my goodness! I need to deal with my hangups with Florida. Why? I wonder why. But the second thing is, and more importantly, where can the the listeners find you? I know you're in Delaware. The name of your yes. practice, and then again, maybe your email or website or whatever. And then before you leave us, I want you to leave us with some parting words of advice for anyone who is struggling like you were with overwhelmness okay. as a word that we made up overwhelmness what should they do before they jump so first of all where can we find you and then you carry, carry. 
Okay. So our private practice is located in Newark, Delaware. Um, it's near University of Delaware. It's called Shaping Minds Therapeutic Services. And our website is www.shapingmindstherapy.com. And um, our podcast is called Gems to Shape the Mind. And that can be found on Facebook at cmpradio.net. And so all of our shows up to this point are, are um, available on there. I, I have a co-host and what we've done most of the time is kind of bring a therapist on with me. Um, my co-host is the engineer for the radio station. And he gives that outside perspective because you know we're, we're all kind of not by the book, but you know, it's, it's all research and things on our end. So he kind of brings that um, community to, to the conversation. Because I have a guest for your podcast. Me. Nice. Can a sister get yeah, as it? Soon, as soon as whenever we, you so, come so back, once, yes. Once I I'm know. done this class, once I'm done, so I'm taking our early wow. childhood education class. So once I'm done this class, um, I'm definitely going to get back to the podcast and we do it every week. Um, but I, yeah, I would definitely love to have um, you or any any other professional that would like to come on and, and add to a conversation. Yeah, that would be great. I would love it. And, so what was the name of the podcast again? You said it's very fast. So it's called Gems to Shape the Mind. Oh, Gems to Shape or Shake? Shape. Shape the Mind. The Mind. Wow, nice. Nice. I got that down. And then, so Gems to Shape the Mind, shapingmindstherapy.com. Thera yep, therapy.com. Yep, and then it. Shaping Minds Therapeutic Services. Yes. Okay. Now, do you have any words of advice for another girl in her mid-20s, oh, sure. early 20s, or black or white don't matter, who is walking that tightrope that you were walking one day, trying to balance, you know, and everything. Yes. Yeah. So, so my thing is, you know, I, I think we all have this light inside of us. And I think sometimes we downplay what that is. And, and I think you really have to respect the fact that we have a greatness in us. And sometimes that journey to figure out what that greatness is, is going to take us to, um, it's not always a, a smooth journey. So, you know, you, you have to trust the process. And when you get to a point that you're stuck or you're confused or you just need some guidance, I think that, you know, people have to be comfortable reaching out and asking for help. And I think, you know, the, the one good thing about all of these friends that we have on social media is that sometimes when you put yourself out there, you will find that the, the people that are your friends on social media will at least give you the guidance of who to go to, who to trust. Um, who's respected in the community. And, and I, I, you know, I get a lot of referrals that way. So, you know, sometimes you, if, if, if you see a therapist or a doctor or someone that, that's on your, you know, your friend list, inbox them and ask the questions of where can I go? Because, you know, there's resources out here. You, you just have to be willing to just ask for help. Love ask it. for help. I love it so much. You mentioned social media twice in this podcast. Yes. side of social media. I don't know that I've mentioned that much in, in all 90 or more uh, interviews that I've done. The fact that we should use social media to our advantage, it has. Yes. But also, I want to say something that you, I want to kind of go into something that you mentioned. You mentioned how if you're feeling down to reach out, believe it or not, a few weeks ago when Black Panther died, I was that person. I went on social media and I wrote, you know what, I'm not, I'm not doing okay. And right. to, you know, we ha I had more than 300 to 500 
people just hold space for me. I get, I get emotional every time I talk about it. I right. just look down and I just, not because I didn't know him, but I just, everything he represented for us. And I was like, first black mamba, then black. Mamba. Right. And I was just like, and then 2020 with all this drama, just, I couldn't, I couldn't stop crying. My sister called me, she was like, you're crying more than the, the deceased family. I said, girl, you know, I just, I need because Because cry. it was deep. It because I've been holding it also for so long. It was just Brianna Taylor and Trevion Martin and you name all of them, George. So everybody put together. I just, oh my God, not one of us. And then the way he did it with so much royalty, he suffered. Right. And his team. Like a true team. king that he was. He right. was like a king. And, and I just, it just hurt me so much on so many levels. I feel like I know him, but I didn't know mm -hmm. him. And I used to call right. him. And anyway, from day one, and I had my dad, I called my dad and asked my dad to give me a befitting name for him, for my blog that I wrote in his honor, a befitting Igbo name for him, a man that just represents the community. And so my dad named him Dikoha, Dikoha and um, one other thing. So just like a, a, a son of the soil, like a solid Yes, you know, like a man that yes. we're proud of to take, we could take him abroad and take him to show to people like a show dog kind of thing. Like, this is our man, this is a guy, that right? So, it's something like that. I think it was Dikoha or something that he named him, but just a powerful representative of the soil. Like, he everything he meant to us, and then he was done that quickly, he was gone. And then right. that made me start thinking back about, Jesus. but it's what we, I think, it's what we needed. It, and it, 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 he, was only 20, yeah. only 33. And Martin Luther King was not even 50. Like he wasn't even, I don't even think he was 40. I think he was 40, 39. Like these young cats came and did their work and they yes. were gone. And but so, but on, a, on, a, on such a large scale, it's so funny because you look at how young they were. Yes. But the impact that he had and maybe the, you know, most of us maybe knew him for what, five, six years span. Four years. And from, you you know what I mean? And it's too. like, the, oh my gosh, this, whatever this the person is amazing. Movie, that's all I knew him. Only Black Panther. I never known him before Black Panther. Right. I knew him after Black Panther. Saw the movie, I don't know, four times because of that gentleman and just mm -hmm. what the movie represented as a Nigerian, right. Nigerian piece in it, of course, you know? And just, right. just, I fell in love with him over and over again. I did. Everything yes, I, we, we went to South Africa, we went to Cape Town. And it was funny because when we went, you know, we went there and they had never seen the movie. So the, the guys that were working at the hotel, we're like, you know what, we're going to put it on a TV so you can see it. And when I tell you the excitement, like I've seen it like eight times, but just to be but able I, to I, I go I was to Africa and show them the movie. Oh, it was amazing. It was just, it was such a good feeling, but, but that's, that's how he made you feel. I might even watch it today just to, I don't know if I can. I it's like a reminder. When, when you start to doubt yourself, when you watch that movie as a black person, it's a reminder of, even though it's, it's a movie, just, just the strength and the power and the courage in that movie for us, it's, it's just like, wake it up. Let's wake it up. You know, you've forgotten it for, for a day or two. Let's wake that back up. And that's what the movie does for me. I might do it. I might watch it today. I'm, my only reason was because of him. I, you know, I don't know if I'm if I'm there yet. I don't know if I'm if I'm done mourning 
him yet. And, you know, you know, as, as you know, grief, when it comes to grief, you know, there's no time limit. But I might be able to, his sister was another person that had a girl crush. And of course, I love me some Angela Bassett. So there's some people yeah. in the movie that will probably make me want. I met Angela Bassett during one of the movies. I was an extra. Me and my kids were an extra. So I, I might oh. go just to, just to see because he was just, oh my God. But you know what, sister, girlfriend, I know you, I know you gotta go, but believe it or not, <laughs> over an hour and you probably yes. have been talking for that long. Right. Listen, well, this is what I do for a living, right? Like, <laughs> so I'm used to it. <laughs> yeah. But no, this was great. I'm so I'm so glad that we that we had a chance to to meet. Like, I, I this this is really wonderful, and I think that this is going to be a, a, a new relationship formed, right? Like, like we can't stop here. We can never. Well, I'm going to come on your podcast and you're probably Definitely. going to give a talk in one of them. I have, I, I do events all the time on suicide. Please. I, I would love to. So I would I love just to. Had one on the 26th of September. We just had okay. one on the 26th, you know, and I actually had two people from, because they came on my podcast, two people from the, the clinicians of color were speakers. On, oh, good. good. See, I like that. Yeah, I like true. that. Yes, ma'am. So, I mean, this is not the end. This is the beginning. We need to take the power of silence from stigma and stigma from suicide and shame also. So yes. That, you know, we can live in our purpose. So thank you so much, sister. I thank appreciate you. God bless you. Y'all, whoo, that was an hour of power, if I can say that. <laughs> My name is Dr. Lulu, a.k.a. the Momatrician. Go check out our sister, Chantelle Bracha Coleman. She's doing things bigly. Yes, I said it. <laughs> her, her practice is called Shaping Minds Therapeutic Services in Delaware. Go check it out, shapingmindstherapy.com. And the podcast, whenever they revitalize it, will be Gems to Shape the Mind. So anything that's to do with shape, this woman is in, she's in shape, okay? That's it. <laughs> Y'all, thank you for listening. And as always, share this podcast if it means anything to you. If you touched something, talk about it. Let's go out there and let's end that shame and silence. And it's good that we're recording this podcast during the Mental Health Awareness Week anyway. Today's October something. I don't know, October. I think we're, I think we're at the 10th. I don't even No, 12th. 11th. 12th. October 12th. October 12, 2020. I don't know when you're going to hear it, but it is Mental, Mental Health Awareness Week. So October 10 through 17 is, if you don't know, and today's October 12th, and we're recording this podcast. And I'm asking you today to feel empowered, feel emboldened to live your best life. And remember, my name is Dr. Lulu, aka The Momatrician. I am signing out. Peace.